Hey, I'm going to get this out the way. We had a great uh, Say Less rally on Friday night. And if people are clapping, that means they were here. And if you were saying, what are you talking about? That's because when we say, hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here, text Say Less. You haven't done that yet. So I want to put that on the screen right now. Um, text, if you say, hey, man, I love this church. I love what God is doing here. I feel like I want to be a part of this vision where God is preparing me for seven years of favor. I want you to pull out your phone and text. If you haven't yet, please don't retext. But if you haven't yet, pull out your phone right now and text message this number. Here's why this is so profoundly important. Because as we move forward, um, I, I, uh, the Lord's been telling me, I want to earn your time. You know, I think so many times as pastors on Sundays, we just expect you to show up to church. And the service could be whatever, the worship could be whatever, the message could be okay, and if you love God, just please come. Like, no, it, that doesn't work that way in any other space. The, can a waiter tell you, hey, the food's going to be okay, the service is going to be okay, but if you love Jesus, just show up. No, that doesn't work in any other space. So I want, if you're going to get in your car and drive in the rain and spend an hour and a half here, we want to earn your time. And so part of that time that I felt like we weren't earning was that 10 or 15 minutes in the beginning of the service or the middle of the service where we had to make all these announcements to let you know what's going on. So from the front of the service to the end of the service, for the most part, we just want you to engage with God through his word and through worship. Has anybody appreciated that? And so now, instead of having all these announcements, we got this going on, we got baptisms, we got this, this is the family barbecue, this is that. Now we just send a text message out to you for you that signed up, and that's how you know about what's going on in the life of our church, right there on your phone. And then this time can be reserved for worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Does that make sense? So text message the number, and you will be invited to the next rally. How cool is that? I'm excited about it, even if you're not. The taco lady was there. The churro lady was there. Huh? What'd you say? Oh, churro man. Oh, it's called churro man. Is there a churro lady? Oh, yeah, that's why I got confused. Okay, and next time I'm making this announcement, we're about to have horchata. Huh? We had horchata? So you let me just sit up here and share the word and didn't nobody give me no horchata? What is wrong with these people, man? How did I not get no horchata? Not really, but I just feel left out. All right, to the message. I thought he was supposed to preach the word, and all he's talking about is his Hispanic uh, delicacies. I, I just, I want to hear the scriptures. I do have a message today. It's based off the, all the rain we have been getting. And I'm not trying to say that the rain is spiritual, but it is unusual. And I looked it up. Uh, so far, it has rained 200% more from January through February than any time in history in California. 200% more. Just to give you some context, the largest rain year ever was 42 inches of rain in a calendar year in California. And this happened in the 80s. It's already rained 17 inches this week. So we are just around 35 to 40% in two months of the shy of the number. We're 60% shy of the, the largest rain year ever just two months in. So it rains at all the rest of the year. You know, this would be one of the, the, the greatest seasons of rain. It's just always raining. Like, you notice that? Like, 
You look on your, the weather and you're trying to book a tea time to go golfing and the app is shut down because it's raining. Rain is significant in the Bible. And I'm not saying that the rain that we're getting is spiritual. I'm just saying it's unusual. And it sparked a message in my heart to share a, a, a word from God simply titled, The Favor of a Flooding. The Favor of a Flooding. Now I'm going to read this story from Noah's Ark. Now before I read this story from Noah's Ark, I, we all need to let go of what I believe is really bad theology around Noah's Ark. I remember one time Bailey came home and her take on Noah's Ark was that God needed to get rid of bad people and so he flooded the earth. And I'm like, oh man, we, like that's not what Noah's Ark is about. It's important that you understand that. So in order for this message to really sink in, Noah's Ark is probably one of the most told stories, biblical stories throughout uh, biblical history. Everybody would know about Noah's Ark. Even an unbeliever would know about Noah's Ark, and they would know that the animals came in doubles. This is just one of the most told stories ever, but it is not a story of how God punishes bad people. So what I want to do is, you ever seen that movie Men in Black where they hold up that thing and it erases your memory? In the Spirit, I pray the Holy Spirit would hold up that flashing light and erase anything you've been told about Noah's Ark so that right here in this moment, the Holy Spirit can deposit it new meaning from this passage of scripture into the lives and hearts of people. Will you believe that with me today? The story of the flood is not about God choosing to get rid of bad people. Can I just give you a little bit of context about Noah's Ark, what it says in 1 Peter 3, verses 19 through 21. This tells the story about Jesus. Now, I'm going to read uh, parts of Noah's Ark, and I want to encourage you to read this by yourselves, this passages that I'm going to read because I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to get through as much of it as I can. But this is Peter kind of retelling, uh, explaining to believers, and he brings up Noah's Ark when he's making an explanation. And, and watch what he says. He's talking about Jesus. It says, so he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water, the flood water, is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is going to be a little bit more of a Bible study today. I apologize if I don't hoop and holler and tell you God's going to do everything in your life. But I'm telling you, this is going to bless somebody today because I really believe that God wants to reveal to you his grace and his favor through a destructive flood. You notice that it says that Jesus went to preach to some people in prison? I looked this up, and this is profoundly crazy. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So Noah tried to get people to get on that boat by preaching righteousness. And they resisted, but lions did, and penguins didn't resist, and crocodiles didn't resist, and giraffes didn't resist, but people did. Do you know how anointing you have to be for all of creation to know that they know that they know that that's God, except people in their human depravity and their human rebellion did not want to follow God. 
Now, there's a lot of talk about nature and what's in our nature and what's our sexuality and what's our identity and all these different things which are very true. Never deny someone of that. Never deny someone and never make someone feel ashamed for who they are. But the reality is, is that when Christ shows up in anointing, people change. They go against their nature. It might not be in your nature to be with one woman or one man, but when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, you can go against your nature. If a lion can go against its nature and not eat a gazelle for 10 months on a boat, then you can go against your nature and not buy that Louis bag and save up and invest. Somebody shout amen. I told you this is going to be a little bit of a Bible study. So if I don't have the, the ability to go against my nature, then I believe in a Christ that is not leading me. Wow. Oh, oh man, I'm just going to keep going. But Jesus went to preach to these people. Why do we say that the flood was God's just judgment and God's just hated the world and he wanted to get rid of evil? That's why I want it out of your head because, because that's not what happened. The Bible says that Jesus went to preach to everyone who died in the flood, which means that everyone who died in the flood through their disobedience was trapped somewhere that wasn't heaven and Jesus and many Bible scholars believe it was in between his death and his resurrection. He spent that three days. Wherever Jesus was, there was other people there. I want you to fathom this. Jesus Christ, 3,000 years ago, you died in the flood. And you could have got on a boat you didn't get on. And here comes Jesus. Hey, you know, remember when you didn't listen to Noah? Will you listen to me? Bible scholars believe you will find people in heaven who died in the flood because they repented when Jesus preached to them in the spiritual realm. And then it says that only eight people were saved, which means that God wanted more people to be saved. Just a weird curiosity. I looked up how many blood types there were in there, eight. A little weird. Not saying it has anything to do with this. But eight people got saved. There's only eight blood types. Maybe one of them was O positive. Maybe, I don't know. It just look, seems a little strange to me. And, and, and it says that this water is not a picture of judgment. It's a picture of cleansing. Are you ready to what I'm talking? This is so important you get this. So I want to just frame new theology around Noah's Ark so that you would understand when I share the story that this message is about God wanting to cleanse the earth through favor, the favor of a, of a flooding. Number one, this is to sh help shape your theology. So you just write these things down if you want to or take a picture, we're gonna put it on the screen. Number one, the entire world was evil. The entire world. You know we say sometimes like, why does God allow all these evil if he's God? Well, because he'd have to do something to you too. <laughs> Anybody ask you that question? Just say, because he'd have to do something to you too. Like, it's not like the good people would be separated from them. There's no good people. There's just a good God. When Christ returns, we'll all be on our face, begging for forgiveness, saying, Jesus, my bad. But when we call that community of people bad and we're good, we just lose sight. The whole world was evil, number one. Number two, 
You know that answer? Why, if God is so good, why is the world so evil? This is a time where God says, yep, I'm too good for the world to be this evil. So the flood was God chose to baptize forcefully the entire world. Remember we read in 1 Peter that the flood was a baptism? He forcefully baptized the entire world. Number three, God told Noah to build a boat so that people could eventually come out, out of the water, which represents resurrection. When you get baptized up here, you're able to get up out of the water. It's not gonna drown you. We don't make the water so deep. It's not some raging torrent. So the boat represented a salvation device so that when God cleansed the earth, people could get up. The idea of a cleansing is that it would allow you to get up and do things you have never done before. God was trying to give the earth a reset. Number four, that you need to understand the theology around Noah's Ark is that God had Noah preach to people in order that they may be saved. It wasn't that God just sent a flood and nobody knew it was coming. We read it in, in, second, in second, first Peter that God waited patiently. So he had Noah build a boat that was the size of almost two football fields so that people would get on, but they chose not to. This wasn't God just being vengeful. He wanted people to be safe. Number five, everything God had created needed to go against their nature to get on the ark. If you are believing for crazy favor in your marriage, it might be in your nature to get angry and the Holy Spirit has to put it in your nature to be patient. It might be your nature to be a spender and God wants you to be an investor and a giver. It might be in your nature to judge people and God might have to put it in your nature to give grace. In order to really get a reset, then something, you know, we, we do this all the time where we actually have like astrology where we go, you, you know me, I, I'm a Scorpio. Don't let a sign give you an excuse to be crazy. <laughs> you know how I get hound, I'm a Capricorn. I'm stubborn. You know them Pisces. No, we're supposed to be a children of God. Don't let astrology give you an excuse to be stupid. No, and there's some, that, that's valid. That's valid. That stuff, you read that stuff, and that stuff be so accurate. I remember before I got saved, them Scorpios, man, like, they never loved people more than you could ever love people, but you would get stabbed if you did them wrong. Well, you know me. Yak, 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 I'm a Scorpio. No, <laughs> that's not the way it works. You don't justify behavior that is ungodly. At the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is here to help you go against your nature, not follow the rules, go against your nature. There are some times where you're in a situation where you know you're married and you know you see a girl, you know you see a guy and your nature wants to be with them. Holy Spirit, help me go against my nature. But every time you feed your nature, your nature gets bigger. And every time you feed your spirit, your spirit gets bigger. And at times there's a decision where there's a war between your nature and God and God needs to win for you to take hold of the favor. Well, that's just who I am. Well, that's just who a penguin was too. But they was, let me get on this ark real quick. Let me get right up on that ark real quick. So was a lion. 
But a lion is sitting in the, on the ark looking at a gazelle like, mm. Simba, that gazelle looked good. They might even had the lion going against the net. There might have been a lion on that. They turned into Mufasa. Everything the light touches is your kingdom. Maybe you're like, oh, snap. These lions are going against their nature. How does a lion not eat a gazelle? I think you can be faithful to your wife. If you got enough presence, you can go against what you naturally do. Let's stop making people accept who God doesn't even want us to be. You got to be able to go against your nature. There are certain things that God wants to do that humans have to be willing to yield to God's spirit and go against their nature in order to achieve it. I'm not naturally organized, but Lord, you got to help me. I'm not naturally a people person, but Lord, you got to help me. It, being introverted is not an excuse to not say hello to someone that God wants you to say hello to. And being extroverted is not an excuse to say hello without intentionality. Because don't, don't feel bad if you're an introvert. Your, your relationships just need to mean something. Extroverts can just lie. <laughs> introverts just can't lie. That's, the only difference between extroverts and introverts is introverts can't lie when it comes to people. Yeah. Extroverts can go, oh, God, Jim. Here he comes. Jeez. <laughs> Jim, my man, my dog. What up, big dog? How you doing? Knowing you just complained that Jim just showed up to the party. That's the extrovert. I've done it. Not in church. Always happy to see you. <laughs> Number six, you ready? This is just a... The flood was designed to be a cleansing, not a killing. And every human's obedience determined which one it was. I just got the chills. I don't know if it's cold in here because I got a jacket on. It is cold in here, but I just got the chills. I don't know if I'm cold. I said, the flood was designed to be a cleansing, not a killing. And every human's obedience determined which one it was. And the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this morning that he's sending a cleansing to the earth. He's sending a cleansing to your organizations. He's sending a cleansing to your jobs. If you guys are experiencing mass, mass layoff, there's a cleansing. He's tired of people manipulating. There's a cleansing. And it's our obedience that determines whether the cleansing becomes a killing. We don't have to die. We can just be cleansed. I'm praying right now, God is cleansing the church. He's cleansing pastors. You see how many pastors fall? Lord, keep me off the internet in Jesus' name. Because I don't want to be a part of the cleansing. So when God sends the flood, it kills people and cleanses people based off the choices they make. But we've been blaming God. What kind of God would flood the whole earth? No, what kind of God would cleanse the earth? A good, gracious God. Isn't that interesting? And number seven, and this is where you come in. You ready? Noah had to prepare for something that had not happened ever. That's why comparison is so dangerous because God wants to do something that he's never done, that no one's ever seen. Up until that point, it had never rained before, ever. 
So God said there's going to be a storm and there'd never been a drizzle. And Noah built a boat to prepare for something he had not seen. What if you prepared your finances to be rich and throughout your family history, everyone's been broke? What, what if you would be willing to have the faith to prepare for something that no one's ever even seen? If we take these seven things, we can now hear the rest of the story of Noah's Ark with some shift in our theology so that we can be prepared as a church that when God cleansed the entertainment industry, we'll be part of the cleansing, not part of the clean the killing. When God cleanses the church, we'll be a part of the cleansing, not the killing. When God cleanses the financial district, we'll be a part of the cleansing, not the killing. When God cleanses politics, we can be a part of the cleansing and not the killing. All through obedience to what God says to build. So Noah builds this crazy huge ark. And it says, when everything was ready, Genesis 7, verse 1, when everything is ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. So, so you notice what he said? He said, take seven pairs, because before I read this, I thought it was just two by two. No, 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 it wasn't. Of the animals they couldn't eat, because there were certain animals they weren't allowed to eat, they could only just take one male, one female. But of the animals they were allowed to eat, they were allowed to take seven. And we're going to read later that because they were allowed to take seven because some of those animals were con for consumption and some of those animals were for sacrifice. So he gave them stuff to eat and stuff to give. So true provision from God is when he gives you something that you get to keep and something that you need to give away. This is so profound that God gave them something to give away. And then it says... Um, seven days from now, I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and nobody can golf, and nobody can do all the stuff they like to do until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. And Genesis 7 says, a male and female of each kind entered just as God commanded Noah, and then the Lord closed the door. The Lord closed the door and cooped those people up together, while the rest of the world was going crazy, God cooped them up together and closed the door. Kind of feels like what God wants to do with the church, where when the world is going crazy, he will put us so close together that we actually have for forced to be a community, and then at some point he's going to open the door and send us right back out there in the world to do all the amazing things that he has called us to do and to bless the people who weren't meant to be an ark. I don't know if you knew that. It wasn't meant to be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that ark did not smell so great. Can you imagine? The Bible says there was one window, one window. Man, I got some cousins that if I'm in a room with them in one window, I don't know if I can make it. 
These were animals, a zoo, an indoor zoo with no ventilation and no air conditioning. Do you know how bad that smelled in there? Would make you want to leave the boat. You know how bad Christians smell sometimes? They smell like judgment. They smell like disappointment and cynicism. They smell like politics. Many people leave the church because Christians just stink. I say that biblically because the Bible says that as a Christian, you can have a fragrance, a pleasing aroma to those around you. And people get in the church that God has called to rescue them and teach them, and they leave the church over the smell of the people. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes we are so offended by the stench of Christians, we wander off into the storms of the wicked. Because it, let me tell you something. I know people in here ain't perfect. But when you separate yourself from God's people, when you separate yourself from your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you wander out there, the Bible says the devil is like a lion seeking in whom they may devour. How do lions attack people? They attack people or a gazelle separated from the others. That's the one they start with. And so we are designed to be a community, not a perfect community. And this is, sometimes when we talk about the church not being perfect, that's, we give our, I'm not giving the church an excuse to be mean and critical and force you to stay. Please don't stay in a toxic church. But definitely stay in an imperfect church. And here's a toxic church. A toxic church is not how it makes you feel. A toxic church, church is you don't grow spiritually. And everything that you do is designed to help the church and you can't figure out how it helps you. You're not growing in your faith. You're not growing in true love from community. You don't know anything more about God, but you're holding up a sign every single Sunday for hours in front of the church. You gotta give all your money. You don't know where it's going. You don't know what's going on. And you're not growing spiritually and it's affecting your soul. And, and people expect things from you. There's no investment. There's more withdrawal than investment. That's a toxic church. And there's a lot of churches like that. But if it's just this person didn't call me back, this person, they, they closed the ministry that I used to love to be a part of, I get that. But like most people leave without a conversation. You know how many emails I get? Hey, this really bothered me, so our time at Oasis has come to an end. And I've never even knew that that upset them. It's just this hurt. So I'm saying, in some season, this is the arc for you. And I, and I believe that in this moment, we're in a bit of an arc season where we're here to learn something and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna multiply what happened in this space in the world. You might even sense it happening where you had community in church and now you're multiplying community outside the church. You've been giving to the church and now outside of the church you're experiencing prosperity. These four walls, unless it's multiplied in the streets, we have to have a church that's like, let's take, Let's be up in these streets. We can't just stay on the ark when God decides to open the door and say, hey, let's just do Grow Track. Let's just keep doing this. Let's do another conference. Let's do 18 conferences. Let's just keep inviting people to church and keep serving at conferences. I love conferences, but God so loved the world. And we can't be a church that has no impact on the world. That the world's not impacted by our love. That the 
world is not impacted. And so sometimes to teach you that God will box you in in a season, in a place that you can't leave because he wants you to live. And I've just been experiencing, and I want to pray for someone who feels like they're in a place that there's some good things about it, because I know there's a storm outside, but there's also some bad things about it. I want to stay and I want to leave. And God wants you in this season, in this time, because of a salvation thing, and he wants to send you out into the world to be fruitful and multiply the things that you have learned and whatever your ark is. And God has called some people to build an ark for you. If, if you are feeling overwhelmed in, in parenting, God will send somebody to build an ark for you, like this safe community where you can, you know, be raised, takes a village to raise children, or, or if you are dealing with addiction, God will send people to build an ark where there's a bunch of people who've overcome addiction, and you gotta be willing to be in that space long enough to get what you need to go out into the world and flourish. But sometimes we go somewhere and we get one message. Well, okay, I'm good. I'm good. And we're not good. I know this happens to me all the time where God has been sending. I have friends and community in my life that I've never had before. And I thought it was just, well, that's just the life of a pastor, you know. No, it's not. God is sending a flood and it's my obedience. I have to humble myself and tell people I need you in my life. Otherwise, what God sends for favor will end up failure over my own obedience. God closed the door on the ark, and God opened the door on the ark. Here is a place where God has you in this season. If it's going to be favor, God has to open the door or close it. And that closed door was favor. And I just want to tell someone right now that, that God has, is getting ready to close the door in your life or he's closed one in the last year and you're saying, God, where is your favor? And the closed door is because the waters of hell were getting ready to rush in and God closed the door to bless you. Does anybody want to praise God for closed doors? God knows are as much of a blessing as his yeses are. Is anybody married to somebody awesome? Come on, Christina, I need you to clap. And how many people know, many of us, that brother or that sister right before our wife, wasn't they so trifling? Oh my God, that person you was dating right before. And God gave you that no, and you were so brokenhearted, but his no's lead you to his yeses. And when we don't praise him for the closed door, we won't glorify him with the open door. This ark stunk. I've been so disappointed in the church, and so I ran from it for years because people stink but it was my protection. And sometimes favor isn't promises, it's protection. So God closes the doors and says no. They're on this boat literally 10 months, y'all. 10 months, almost a full calendar year before all the waters dried up. And then Noah gets off this boat in Genesis chapter eight, verse 20, 
It says, and Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed his burnt offerings, the animals and the birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of sacrifice and said to himself, wait a second, the very first thing that Noah did when he got off the ark was give something to God. And if you read back, God had given Noah in advance something to give him. So he made sure that he had something to reproduce out in the world, and he made something that he, that he had to sacrifice. Be careful that you don't eat your sacrifice. Be careful that you don't consume that thing that God has called you to give. Be careful you don't spend that money that God has called you to give, because God will provide and, and label both. And he gets out, and, and God is so pleased with Noah's sacrifice, he says, I will never again curse the ground um, because of the human race, even though everything they can think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood. I will never destroy all of the living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. And then he says, from here on out, Whenever it rains, you will see a rainbow representing that I will never cleanse the earth, flood the earth. Remember, what was the flood? Was it, a, was it a killing or was it a cleansing? I will never flood the earth. I will never cleanse the earth. And he says, in this way, again. In this way. Well, what way are you getting ready? <laughs> hold up, hold up. That's how I talk to God. If I was, I'd be like, hold up. No, it's just like in the rainbow, like, wow. It's a rainbow. You ever seen a rainbow? Aren't rainbows so beautiful? No, it's probably out there like, wow. I'd have been like, hold up. What do you mean in this way again? You're going to do something again like this, but not this way? He just said, I'm never going to flood the earth. I'm never going to cleanse the earth in this way. So every time you see a rainbow, you don't think that that means that God is not going to cleanse the earth. He just said that he promises not to cleanse the earth in that way. Through a flood that came through from the heavens and saturated the earth, and killed everyone who didn't want to be cleansed because of their disobedience, he said, I'll never cleanse the earth that way. That way. And then he made a covenant. So the rainbow that you see in the clouds, we have got to get our theology about that, was a covenant, which means that God gave the rainbow as a sign of what he said he wouldn't do. And that's all we know about Noah's ark. But that's not true. He said two things that he would do. And the rainbow is a symbol of two things that God would do. One is he would never flood the earth and cleanse the earth again in that way. The other was this. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all on the birds of the sky and on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands 
everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So the rainbow represents that God would never cleanse the earth in that way. And anybody who took part in the cleansing would now be given everything. So now when you see a rainbow, it's not just thank God you'll never flood the earth again in that way. No, 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 no. It's to mean God is making a covenant with Christians that if you would take part in the cleansing, he would let you take part in the abundance. And it's a covenant sign to not pray for abundance and avoid cleansing. So when you are believing for something awesome, you have to be thinking, God, what do you want to cleanse me from? What do you want to cleanse me from? What do you want to get rid of? Well, if God said that he's never going to do it again in that way, how do people get cleansed? Where's the flood going to come from? Because there's got to be a flood, but not one that kills, one that cleanses. Where does the flood come from? In John 7, verses 37 through 39, on the last day, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, this festival would represent, there's a festival of harvest, and they pour out water that was very scarce, by the way, as a sign that God would bless. So they would pour out something, waste something that everyone needed as a sign that God would provide. What if you just got up and ripped up your last $20 as a sign? I'm not asking you to do that. Like, I'm using an example, but I'm saying that's what they were doing. They would pour out something that was scarce, to show that God would provide. Middle East, hot as I don't know what, it hadn't already rained for five months and they're pouring out water. This festival would take place in October and they, it wouldn't rain until November. And so they're pouring out water. By October, the ground would have been so parched, water would have been so hard to come by, but at the end of the seven-day festival in October, they're pouring out something that, because they're believing that one month from now, God will send the rain. So let me pour out what I have because God's getting ready to give me abundance. Did you hear what I just said to you? So right when you think you don't have enough time, it's time to spend time with some people. Right when you think you don't have enough money, it's time to give like you've never. And it says on the last day he poured it out. And then he says, as he's pouring out the water, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And I've never seen this before. Never understood that, 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 that this is how God is going to cleanse the earth. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I looked up the word river in the Greek and got tears in my eyes because guess what it means? Flood. The new flood to cleanse the earth comes from people. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can cleanse our communities as rivers of love, as rivers of peace, as rivers of hope, as rivers of faith, as rivers of truth, as rivers of mercy, as rivers of grace, as rivers of, of, of righteousness and rivers of patience. 
The church is the ark, and you are the flood. And you are here so that the Holy Spirit will flow out of you and everywhere you go, and it will create an opportunity of cleansing for others. But what happens is, is we think we're the judgment and we're the flood. We're not the judge. We're the flood. And the flood is favor. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, the comforter, the spirit of grace, the spirit of peace, the spirit of righteousness, the Holy Spirit. So I just want to be a purified river. Because how can a dirty river clean a dirty city? So I want rivers of living water. I want a flood of living water. The flood in Noah's ark brought death. The flood out of a believer should bring life. And, and I believe that Christians are killing people out there with their judgment because they have dirty water and they're releasing it. But your river should not kill anyone. Your river should not separate anyone from God. Your river, it says rivers of living water. People survive because of the river that God put in me. And so, yes, there is favor. But there's favor in the flood. And if you would allow the Holy Spirit to flood your life with his love and with his grace and with his peace and with his hope, and with his goodness and with his self-control and all these characteristics of who God is, then when he sends you into those spaces of business, when he sends you into those spaces of education, when he sends you into those spaces of entertainment, when he sends you to your community centers and your basketball teams and your football teams, he sends you there to be a flood. And nobody's supposed to die in your flood. They're only supposed to live. They're only supposed to live. And God sends you into the world and he, he blesses you and he, he gives things. And when you see a rainbow now, don't see a rainbow saying, thank God there's not going to be another flood. No, that's not what it says. God's not going to flood the earth in that way. He's going to flood the earth in this way. That, that the Holy Spirit would fill you with the same water that propped the ark up for 40 days and 40 nights. But that water in you would prop someone's soul up that they might turn to the Lord. They might understand that it was God who created them. That they might understand that there's grace for them and love for them. That the Holy Spirit would lead them to the same truth he's led you to. You gotta be willing to be a flood. And I know the young people say that you should come through dripping. But no, you should come through flooding where everything God has put in your life should flood into everywhere you go. Has God loved you? Then let love in your life be a flood. Has God given you peace? Then let peace in your life be a flood. Has God given you hope? Come on, some. Then, then let hope in your life be a flood. Has God given you grace? Then let grace in your life be a flood. This is what the church is called to, and I'm telling you there's about to be favor in the flooding. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I feel like there's some people in here 
who have been flooding to everywhere around them. It's like the, the waters are at flood stage in your life and in your soul. But then you start thinking, what about me? It's a scary thing when God has you pouring out to the people around you and you're saying, what about me? The next time you see a rainbow, remember God had not promised to flood the earth in that way. But if you allow God through you and through the Spirit to flood the earth in this way, the other part of that covenant is that God would give them everything they need, not to make all their hopes and dreams come true, but everything they need to continue to be a flood. If I wanna be a flood in finances, stop believing for promotion and you're not a flood when it comes to money. So I want my giving to be in flood season so that God can give me everything I need to be a flood, a living flood. That's what I wanna pray for you this morning. When you go out there today and it rains on your car, you just got washed or you're sitting in traffic, feel like maybe today or over the next week you might see a rainbow. And instead of saying, man, that means that God is not gonna kill everybody, no, no, no. That means God's not gonna flood the earth in this way. I'm the new flood, and God's gonna keep giving me everything I need 